five. Kevin Durant way outside, delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown, it's a six point game. That's the same spot where he had it in game three last year. All right, everybody, this week's edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. We got the trio back this week, me, Nasha, and Cindy. What's up, Cindy? The original trio, the starters. <laughs> and what's up, Nasha? What's going on, dude? Yeah, guys, so we just wrapped up an NBA Finals. That was not very interesting, to be honest. A 4-0 sweep. And, uh, Sean, you kind of called it. I don't know if we were texting, and you were like, this kind of reminds me of the Raptors-Cavs series. Where the Raptors had that lead in game one, and then they lost that game with all those missed tip-ins at the end of the fourth quarter, and then just never recovered the rest of the series, and it's a sweep, and that's pretty much how this played. I thought LeBron would probably get one game, but I guess the team just couldn't, uh, the Cavs could not match up to the Warriors. It seemed to me, I think Brian Winnerhurst was talking about, at the end of game one, obviously LeBron ended up injuring himself, but besides that, the team was just so demoralized. And you could see how, that their game in game two and three and four, it just they, and even when they came home, uh, you know, I'm kind of worried. I think this just means LeBron's checked out of this team. It's kind of unfortunate because he's the reason this team looked away from help JR and should get their big contracts. So to me, I think, you know, player LeBron might be in the conversation for greatest player of all time. But I think GM LeBron really has, uh, hasn't been doing as good as everyone thinks so. Well, I don't know if the if they were dejected in Game Three. I felt the first half they were pretty lively and into it. And uh, I was watching the uninterrupted video that LeBron put out, and he was pretty hyped in the beginning of Game Three, kind of getting everybody ready for the game. And then, of course, stuff happened, and you saw those ridiculous streets that he was making, and then you saw all those ridiculous shots that KD was making. I think it wasn't probably until the end of the third quarter where LeBron was just like. Oh shit! Like I'm definitely not gonna win now, and then it just kind of and that's that's the thing about the Cavs. The Cavs go how LeBron goes, and we've seen it throughout the entire playoffs. Those playoff games earlier on, where he just wasn't really into it, those were the games the Cavs really struggled. And then the games where he was kind of on fire, and you know we saw in Toronto series where it's, you know that new shot that he has now, that turn away fadeaway kind of like uh, MJ, and then when he's into the game and he's engaged, then the actual the Cavs actually played pretty well. My question is going to be, um, just like doing Casey was the fall guy for the Raptors, is, is Ty Lue going to be the fall guy for the Cavs? Um, I mean, it all depends on what LeBron does, right? But pretty much how the Cavs have to play this offseason, but it also kind of sucks for them because they have to bank on LeBron. And Well, do you mean by fall guy by this for the playoffs or the finals or for the season? I mean, it could be all. I mean, fall guy like he's gonna get fired. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tyler's I mean, gone. I mean, well, no. Why? Why? Why does Tyler need to be gone? If you think about it, the real fall guy should be Dan Gilbert from last all season. I mean, yeah, he can be a fall. To me, Well, to me, like the Tyler hiring was just kind of fishy circumstances, and it was kind of like this is clearly a LeBron hire. He based out. I don't doubt that LeBron actually went to Kobe Altman or who, I guess uh, Griffin at the time and Gilbert and said, I want Ty Lue as my coach, right? And he, he's, he he probably made an ultimatum. If I don't get Ty Lue as my coach, then I'm gone. All right. So they kind of, I, I feel like he did force his hand because I, I don't know how much interest Ty Lue was getting from any other team in the NBA at the time of the hiring or even in the offseason prior to it. So if, 
that's just a feeling that I get. I mean, I haven't really seen anything in terms of making adjustments during the game that that demonstrates to me that Tyloo is actually a very competent coach. If anything, players like him and probably want to play for him, but I don't think he's going to do anything for the Cavs organization if LeBron does decide to leave. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they, Ty Luke could be the fall guy, but they're not going to get rid of him because he he was there, and they'll have to at least give him one season, even if LeBron does leave, to see what he give give him at least a chance to see what he can do without a LeBron uh, leading team, and what he does with players, and how he develops players, and see what he does. Because till now, we don't really know if like, Ty Luke is really a good coach or a bad coach, because mm-hmm. LeBron will show calling plays and everything. But I think he's kind of a sucky situation for the Cavs. So an interesting piece about, I mean, sort of info about LeBron, every time he's been a free agent, he never conducts an exit interview. So this is something I learned very recently, where after the season's over, he just goes completely dark on the team. He did that in 2010 and 2014, where the Cavs and Heat respectively, after the season's over, they don't get an exit interview from LeBron, where they sort of get to ask him what are his thoughts, what's his thought process. And they had to rely on just inside information from his group. And or like in 2014, when he tweeted, Shabazz Napier is his best favorite player in the draft, <laughs> and he drafted him. And then LeBron left a week later. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I don't think LeBron's actually going to ever say anything in that exit interview that would actually give, you know, Dan Gilbert or whoever in the, who's in the front office any idea of what he's actually thinking. And yeah, I, I, it was interesting. I think Bill Simmons said it should just extend this whole decision-making process as long as he can. They just milk it for the marketing and the money. The NBA is going to fall based on what he does, right? Yeah, I heard that. Like, do a documentary basically of of his off-season decision, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he already did a one-hour feature and then last time a letter, so now this time just go all out and do a documentary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the guy's got a production company he's got to think about, so what better way to do it? Uh, He usually goes on vacations in the Caribbean. Isn't that his thing? Oh yeah, the banana brothers. Yeah, so that's the, that's the plan probably, and who knows? I mean, if Chris Paul's in his ear, then uh, well, although Chris Paul's a free agent, so I guess you know that doesn't lock him down to Houston. Maybe that means that they both will go somewhere. Well, I think oh, yeah. the yeah. I think the whole point of Chris Paul going to Houston was kind of a little nudge nudge by Daryl Morey saying that hey, if you come here, we'll eventually give you the max. The five-year max for two hundred million, basically. And if Chris Paul wants LeBron to come, they can't afford that. So it, it comes out to what Chris Paul wants. And I don't know. If my feeling is seeing him in the playoffs, seeing how hard he was. My feeling is he wants to win and win now before the rest of his career is done. So how about... Uh, how, you mean Chris Paul or LeBron? Or both? Well, both, but particularly Chris Paul. I mean, yeah, he might want the max from Houston, but I think he's... He wants to go to a win-now situation. Whether that's with staying with Houston for another year, that's obviously possible. They were, you know, one game away from making it to the finals, and they likely would have won, you know, maybe in five if LeBron was able to get one, maybe six. But I, I highly doubt that the Rockets would have lost that series. Um, so he can go back and they can run it back, or he can join LeBron and or other people by taking a little bit less money. Because, I mean, we forget that Chris Paul didn't necessarily take the same pay cut that LeBron Wade had to take when they, you know, made their original super team. Right, right. Well, let me throw this out to you. CP3, Paul George, LeBron, Cleveland. Oh, no. No? Come on. 
Oh, where? It, uh, Lakers? No, no, LeVar Ball will ruin those chances. I'm sorry. Well, Not gonna I, happen. I think, this, I think if you look at the book, possible for the, for the Cleveland team. They, they have too much money probably already on the books between Tristan and JR to afford three full... Uh, That's three fine. Just guys. pay the luxury tax. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, even if you're willing to pay the luxury tax, the problem is you, you can't just sign these guys outright. And that means you gotta have to have these teams willing to trade with you. And I don't know if they want to help each other out. Oh, you mean but, trading away all the like the bench pieces that they have? Well, yeah, I mean, they can't. Cleveland's already over the cap, so they can't just sign PG and uh, CP3. Like, they would have to, it had to be like a sign and trade. Sign and trade, yeah. But, I mean, the problem with Cleveland is they literally have no assets besides maybe that. May, I guess they have Kevin Love. They could package that, but I don't think that. And I think the market for Kevin Love is uh, depreciated significantly. Yeah, yeah. Same thing, yeah. you know, that happened to Chris. Bosch. I feel like yeah. you know, LeBron comes in and ruins these big men's careers <laughs> and I mean, they, how much money they can make. Yeah, they pretty much become like a, a new car which as soon as it drives off a lot, like the value depreciates. That's pretty much how it's been. <laughs> well, <laughs> what what'd you guys think about Kevin Love in the finals? I, I think the narrative is that he wasn't that great, but then when you look at the numbers, it, it was pretty much what you'd expect from an all-star. Yeah, I mean, Love played fine. I mean, it just, I don't, understand sometimes the Cleveland defensive scheme where they were very happy to switch um, pick and rolls and put Love on Curry very repeatedly and yeah. I I just feel like you know Love's not that, that is who he is he's going to get you the rebounds he's going to get you three pointers scoring but defense is never going to be strong too and I don't know why Cleveland just repeatedly put Love in a situation where he was on Curry in an island I think the problem with the NBA right now is everyone follows the same trend. So once once switching became a thing, you know, with the Bucks and the Warriors, these guys who almost play positionless basketball, every team wanted to do it. But sometimes it makes sense to have your best defender on the best player on the opposite team. If that means you have to go through a screen, like at the end of Game Three, LeBron happily switched with Tristan Thompson, who went down to Kevin Durant, who ended up making the dagger and then pretty much losing the series at that point. And had LeBron stayed on him, maybe Durant still would have had made it, but. Uh, at least LeBron necessarily wouldn't have had to worry about getting shook up and you know losing KD going to the basket like Tristan did. He didn't have to be put mm-hmm. on skates. He probably could have stayed with him and contested the shot a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, LeBron was equally a culprit, very easily switched. Uh, I, 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 he said, "I don't want the KD assignment." Said, "Give it up to Tristan or whoever." Um, but before moving on to this, the coming up, I mean, I'll see who's going to be exciting team. I just wanted a uh, quick thought. I know Nishan mentioned this earlier. What are your thoughts on LeBron's uh, hand cast? Um, very dramatic. Probably not as dramatic as you. Uh, <laughs> 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 but I, well, no, I, I, and I also wanted to get your thoughts on like the timing of you know when the story reportedly leaked right after he lost, and it's like oh he had a hand injury. It's like mm, convenient timing. So here's what I believe. I believe he punched a board, and although I yep. probably think he probably should have punched Jr. instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I believe he did hurt his arm because you see the picture of his hand swollen and. I believe and he's the shooting a, numbers went down after game one. Exactly, two. and and I believe that he's a very good competitor for fighting through that. And you could see even even at the end of game four when he was kind of checking out, um, it was pretty deliberate that he was using only his left hand to kind of dap everybody up before he left. But you know, clearly it was something that was not harsh enough for him to not be able to participate in the finals, and harsh and not harsh enough for him to 
you know, high five his teammates with his right hand in games two and three and four before the end. But what what kind of really irks me is that he couldn't wait an extra twenty minutes to put the cast on. I don't. I, it couldn't have been that bad that he had to put the cast on for the interview. So it's the game that LeBron plays, right? He's just showing the the Warriors that hey, I was actually injured. You beat an injured version of myself. You beat myself where I don't have great teammates, right? And kind of just getting into their heads and saying, all your wins came against. Uh, teams where my best players were either injured, or I myself was injured, or I just had idiot players. <laughs> right, so it's kind of just—it's just kind of a mind game that he's playing with these warriors. I feel like, and he—he he doesn't want to validate. He'll—he'll he'll say it publicly for the sake of of saving his face and not seeming like a hater. But all his actions just demonstrate that he actually is kind of salty about everything that's going down and doesn't want to validate what the warriors are doing. I think LeBron, you know, the conversation of greatest player of all time aside, I mean, he's the greatest player to control his own narrative. He's done it pretty much any time that he's faced adversity. He controls his narrative, nobody else. And I think this playoff, this regular season altogether, with him controlling his narrative if he wants to leave Cleveland, which was, you know, either he's going to become the greatest player of all time because he took this garbage team and won the playoffs, and they, they don't have the talent to put a good team around him, so, yeah, that's why I'm leaving. And this time, Cleveland won't hate me because, you know, I can't do anything if the, if the ownership and the GM don't put a good team around me. So, I mean, he's the greatest controller of his own narrative. And I think this hand casting is no different. People can't blame a guy who put the team on his back game one and then be like, oh, why didn't you play as well game two, three, four? Even if you wouldn't have played that, that much better game two, three, four, because game one was a Herculean task at what he'd done, you know? And so he's just like, oh, I had a broken arm, so that's why I didn't play. Well, so but in reality, I, he probably just went back to his like you know average numbers. I don't think it's the actual injury though. Like we know that he's going to put up numbers regardless of whether he has the injury or not. Why does he feel like he's the man? I don't think anybody is putting any blame. Everyone's mm-hmm. recognized that he doesn't have the greatest teammates and that he's going against one of the greatest dynasties of all time. So I'm yeah, I'm trying to understand his sympathy never hurt. Yeah, I, I, I guess so, but again, it's just him playing his mind games, trying to manipulate the media, trying to get people to, I don't know, think of him in a certain light. And, you know, as much as I love LeBron, that's always just one of the things that's always kind of been my pet peeve about him. He doesn't want any more jerseys burned of him. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. If you control your narrative, then you can avoid that. Do you and think there's going to be a jersey burning this year if he leaves? I, I don't think there should be, right? So. If you, I mean, um, these are Cleveland oh, yeah. fans we're talking about. They're not uh, the most <laughs> rational people. Yeah, so I mean, before he came here, says the Eagles fan. All right, you know what? Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he gave them everything, right? So before he came back in that letter that he wrote, he said, "I promised a championship, basically," and he delivered on that championship. And one of the, I think, so there was this great interview with Rachel Michaels and him right before the final started. And I thought that was like sort of his, you know, beginning. The first time he opened up where he admitted to the fact that he didn't want Kyrie traded. He called management or ownership and told them don't trade him. And they still traded him. And at the end of the interview, Rachel asked him, hey, so what do you think about Dan Gilbert? And he says, you know, he said, we have a working relationship. And when she asked him, does, do you think uh, your relationship with Gilbert is going to play a part of your free agency? And he just left it up for, you know, said, we'll see. Mm. And then so there was that, right? And now, after the finals, 
in this post-game, uh, after game four, I think the biggest thing, takeaway from that uh, press conference was when someone asked him, what's going to play the biggest role in your free agency decision? And he said, my family, which yeah. he hasn't said the past couple of times because he's always said, you know, what's going to give me the best opportunity to win championships and like keep winning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, 2014, I think that's a very obvious case where he wanted to come back to Cleveland and win a championship for them. But it seems like this time he's going to ask his son because Ronnie is 13, I believe, and his younger son is 11, and he has a daughter now who is uh, not born yet in 2014. So I think it's going to really come down to, you know, where his son or his daughters and his wife want to live. Well, I think yeah, his family's, again, his family's already come out and said that they don't like Dan Gilbert, right? It wasn't his wife that said he really, she mom, really didn't mom, want Yeah, his mom and wife both hate him. And again, this is him controlling his own narrative. Why does he come out right before the finals to say that he he didn't want you know management to trade Kyrie Irving? Well, exactly. He knew he was going to a finals that he probably wasn't going to win. And same thing, you know. Now if he goes to a team before, he was always like, "Oh, I want to go to a team to win." Now if he goes to a team like the Lakers, who are still in the process of rebuilding, it could be like, "Oh, it was for my family. It wasn't necessarily to go and win." Or if he goes to a team like the Sixers, who I'm much ahead of their deadline of, you know, schedule of winning a championship, but if he goes there and, you know, they have a hiccup and they don't do as well, or Embiid doesn't stay healthy, or Simmons doesn't stay healthy, he can always say, hey, look, I went there for my kids, like, that's what he wanted to be, or if he goes back to South Beach, or whatever he decides, this is him controlling his narrative, and I think people don't realize how powerful he is at doing that, you know, he just, he, especially because of his fandom, right, like, what he says is law, pretty much, right? He could be completely lying about the Kyrie Irving. We don't really know. We don't know what happened in their breakup. Clearly, you know, Kyrie never really spoke about it, besides the fact that he said he wanted to be traded. Um, you know, and so LeBron's controlling his narrative. And at this point, no matter where LeBron goes, I feel like people aren't necessarily going to hate him for it. Maybe except for Kobe that he came to LA <laughs> but that, and LaFar but besides that I don't know well so I guess I, I guess my my uh, advice or just my way of approaching life in general is it's just really going to matter in five years right and if you put that perspective for LeBron we're not going to care about these interviews. We're not going to care about the fact that he wore a cast. We're not going to care about the fact no, that no. he punched a whiteboard. Yeah, all, all, all this is just like ways of like trying to forget or what is he thinking or what's going to he do next. Yeah, in, in five years, LeBron knows that all we're ever really going to be talking about is whatever team that he's currently on. So he's going to do whatever it takes right now to get to where he wants to go, knowing that no one's ever really going to give a shit in five years. This next part is something I, I kind of figure out how to say with that Homer. With Delica Homer. <laughs> so, I personally don't see any scenario or any play that, the, that he should go besides stay in Cleveland or go to the Lakers. Um, you know, I've been going crazy the past couple of days seeing all these reports and everybody's like, oh, Bronny enrolled in this high, LA high school, then the school official refuted it. But then, you know, someone is saying that Savannah was there last week, like, getting admissions papers. Like, there's just so many reports coming out. Mm. And um, I think, I mean, L.A., like, makes sense if he doesn't care about winning the cha- um, championship. Because, you know, I'll admit, as a Lakers fan, like, LeBron and E.K. Paul George maybe come here. That's not going to beat the Warriors. But I think the Warriors have also created a scenario where 
you know, they're so good that maybe you just like whatever. Like let me go somewhere where I, I could just like do other stuff and maybe like winning, beating those these four years is just too hard. But deep, do you see anywhere that's a better scenario than Cleveland or LA right now? I think for LeBron, what's most important to him is being able to overcome the Warriors, right? And and continue the streak and this legacy of constantly being in the finals for now hopefully nine years, ten years, eleven years, twelve years straight. So obviously going to the going to the Lakers is probably not going to achieve that if you're still going to have to go up against KD, Steph, Clay, and Draymond for the next probably at least three to five years. I don't really see this team breaking up until you know KD says, you know what, I, I got everything I could out of Golden State. I want to go do something else now. So for LeBron, to me, Lakers is not really the best option. Apart from the fact that, yeah, his family really wants to go there and everything else outside of basketball makes sense for him to go to L.A. So for me, I think staying in Cleveland is probably the best basketball decision he could make, if I could borrow a term from uh, David Stern. But it, there's no, I don't see any other team in the East that would allow him to contend for the title and actually overthrow this current Warriors team. Because we could, we saw that I don't think there's any team in the West even. Maybe the Houston Rockets next year if they can find a way to somehow improve. But there's only rumors of their team kind of disbanding and Trevor Rizzo going to the Warriors, right? And if they lose that piece, then I don't know how do they fill that gap from the additional Trevor Rizzo to the Warriors. So I'm going to say Warriors are going back to the finals next year. So LeBron has to kind of approach free agency with that in mind. And Lakers are not going to be that best option with Houston if he wants to go to the West Conference Finals and possibly lose that streak of going to the finals nine straight times or ten straight times, whatever it is. So then you have to consider the East. And of all the teams in the East, Cleveland's the one that really just makes sense for the basketball perspective. I guess people are talking about Philly, but I don't even know why Philly would want LeBron in their team other than for the fact that if LeBron's in the team, you're going to the finals. But at what cost? Right? Losing the development of Markel Fultz, losing on the development of Ben Simmons, and possibly even causing a rift in the in the chemistry that they already have. Mm-hmm. Do you see any scenario better than Cleveland or that So, first of all, I want to preface it by saying I think at some point in everyone's career they start thinking about things outside of their career, right? I mean, basketball players have a shorter career, so guys who retire at an earlier age are thinking about that because the kids are still pretty young and they don't have to worry about, oh, where is my kid going to go to school? Where are they going to fit in? Where are they going to have their best ability to do whatever career path that they want? players don't most people don't play into the 15th season maybe going into their 20th season that doesn't really happen and so i think ron what makes most sense for his family is to go to la and obviously join the lakers and whatnot um because that that'll give you know savannah the ability to pursue her future career just like you know being gold state has helped curry and his family kind of pursue what they want to do as compared to if you're in Oklahoma City, it's kind of hard to pursue Hollywood from all the way out there. Granted, these people have a lot of money and they can travel back and forth. But I think that for his family, and if LeBron's finally at the point of his career where he's like, look, I'm already in the greatest of all time conversation. There's going to be people who never watch Michael Jordan play. who are going to say, I'm the greatest player. I'm going to continue to break records for the next five years. 
hopefully, as he says, his best legacy would be if he gets to play in the NBA with any other team except for the Lakers makes sense. Because first off, if they don't make the playoffs or if they don't get far in the playoffs, he's saving minutes so that he could potentially play with the Sun. It's a shitty way of looking at it, but it's the truth, right? He's already played more minutes than pretty much any NBA player in terms of uh, regular season and playoff minutes combined. Particularly this season, he played 82 minutes. I mean, 82 games, and he played, you know, so many extra playoff games because he had two series that went to Game 7. But I think if he wants to win, which maybe he's not looking I think if teams that have assets to make moves, I think the only other team to do maybe a trade for him, because I know Dan Gilbert really wants to make sure that he can get something for him, um, which might not be possible because LeBron may not agree, but I think Boston is a possible destination for him because they have so many assets. Um, I don't know if Boston is willing to risk that because obviously Kyrie doesn't want to play with LeBron anymore. But if if Danny Ainge does, you know, one of those, you know, what happened with Terry Rozier? If you want to leave Kyrie, you can leave. You can, you know, for my benefit, maybe go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think that makes the most sense. I think, but I think ultimately LeBron will in LA this offseason just because. The guy's at the point of his career where he cares more about than just the accolades, I think. And it's important to care about your family. I'm sure his mom and Savannah have been pretty upset that, you know, he's been in Cleveland and his goal was to win one championship and he's gotten that. If that was his ultimate goal, hey, I grew up in Cleveland, I want to be a hometown guy. You know, my Cavaliers and the Browns and all of the other, you know, Cleveland sports teams disarray over the last, like, 40 years. If I can bring them a championship, that's going to be my ultimate goal. If he's gotten that, maybe he had a compromise with Savannah and his mom. Hey, look, after that, I need to move on somewhere else and make them happy. Mm-hmm. Well, Deep always like to tell me it could be LA, but the Clippers, right, Deep? Yeah, I mean, we, we. I feel bad for the Clippers, man. Nobody ever gives them any consideration, and they're probably at a better. Pos- they're probably at a better position to succeed compared to the Lakers. I mean. What what are the Lakers offering that the Clippers aren't offering right now? Uh, it's uh, this thing called uh, cap space. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. I only play NBA 2K. They don't have cap space on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about some more other superstars. All right. I'm going to give you some superstars for stars, all-star superstars, and you guys tell me on a scale, like just um. Zero to ten. How surprised you would be if they were traded this offseason? All right, ready? Well, zero to ten. Zero to ten. How surprised? So ten being the most surprised, right? So like, how surprised you would be if they were traded this offseason? Right. I right, go for it. Right, first one, Anthony Davis. Get get out of here! <laughs> you talking about trading Anthony <laughs> Davis already? Uh, well, I mean, there's already a report that the Warriors could try to trade for Get him. out of here. Oh, my. I'm, I'm not even going to watch the NBA season. Just don't, just forget about it. Uh, 10 for me. Yeah, I say, I say 10, too. I don't think there's any chance to let him go after um, what he's already shown them that he can do without another superstar on the team, unless you call Drew, consider Drew. But then again, if he asks for a trade, that's a whole different game. Mm. I think that, yeah, the playoff run... Sweeping uh, the Blazers, where no no one expected them to sweep the Blazers, kind of salvaged Anthony Davis to stay with the Pelicans at least for one more season. So next one, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Ooh, um, six. Yeah, I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say eight because 
you know, they're going to offer him the Supermax. They're going to put out, you know, Pop is going to have to go back and do the same thing he did with L.A. last offseason, which is, you know, we weren't able to get everything done. Um, and and I, I think that uh, Spurs are afraid that trading him would put them in a position that they haven't been, they drafted Tim Duncan, which is being irrelevant. That's one thing we haven't seen over the last, you know, 20 years. The Spurs haven't been irrelevant. And I don't know if that franchise being a small market can sustain a long period of time being irrelevant. I mean, but the Senate thing is, everyone's just kind of assuming that the Spurs will offer him that Supermax extension. But a guy coming off this sort of injury, you think it's safe for, like, to offer him this super, like, $219 million extension over five years? Well, what is, what is his injury? I still don't know. I, there's so many reports about, you know, it was a, well, it's a, a quad thing, side. right? It's a quad um, injury. It was a quad. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a quad injury, but I mean, a quad injury should not make him miss 73 games in a year. Right. If, and then there was some worry that he had like tendonitis because he worked so hard, he practices so much, he needed to rest then because there was like some bone stuff with his, uh, you know, the femur overlaying his thigh, and maybe that's causing him some problems. Or maybe it was just that he didn't want to play for the team as, as it was last year. So we don't really know. And maybe there was some fallout of Pop going to, you know, LaMarcus and being like, hey, look, we're going to feature you more. I'm not I'm not really sure. But I, I can't see them moving him unless they get a significant piece back. And again, that the only team that makes sense where they can get significant pieces back is Boston, which is so sad because they're the team with the most assets in terms of young players and also picks. Yep. What? Yeah, I mean, Boston has, like, they could give up like a Jalen Brown but then we still have like the Sacramento pick next year where they could just find like maybe the next Jalen Brown exactly it's like crazy for well did you guys ever think point. about Kawhi going to New Orleans because I could really see a, a lineup of KD of uh, Kawhi and AD together as probably going to the conference it's finals asset. I don't think there's yeah. anything that New Orleans has to offer the Spurs I mean if Kawhi was a free agent maybe yeah but then again, all point, all signs are pointing that Kawhi wants to go to a bigger market, uh, at least yeah. from his uncle. And so I don't think New Orleans is a much bigger market than San Antonio. At Kawhi's least uncle, bigger market. This Kawhi's uncle. uncle became so famous. Who is this uncle? I, I don't think I've even seen a picture of him yet. <laughs> He's just been lurking in the shadows. Is he an uncle uncle or is he like an uncle no, like yeah, we have most like, uncles? biological uncle. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. That makes sense. It's his mom's brother. Alright, the next one, call Anthony Towns. Uh, hmm. So, I, well, so if I say four, meaning that I'm not going to be that surprised if they move on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so four probably. Yeah, I, I agree. I think four. He's, he's, he was kind of a disappointment this year. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think just like most young players, he's really just trying to get his numbers so he can get the next contract instead of playing within the system. I mean, this guy was not great on defense coming out of college, but... Still not great on defense after college. Well, no, but the thing is, you would expect a guy who has Jimmy Butler around him, has KG as his mentor, and has Tom Thibodeau, probably three of the best defensive-minded people in the last 10 years guiding him, and he still can't put in the effort on defense. I think he's just too worried about getting his numbers. And I wouldn't be surprised if... I would think that the Timberwolves are first in, but I wouldn't be surprised if Carl had many times move. Yeah, the problem with Wiggins now is no one wants that contract. Yeah. Well, I, so the yeah, problem with that's the... That's where the Timberwolves... 
I think I think that's where the Timberwolves really made a mistake last offseason where they offered Wiggins this huge five-year the max extension, but now they really regret it and now challenge is up for an extension. So they're they're at the point where they're going to be capped out because they have two max guys or not. I'm sorry, Butler too. So they have three max guys and they don't now they can't get any free agents and they this is it. This is their team: Butler, Wiggins, Towns is their core guys, and then just supplementary players like Jeff Teague and Gorgie Gang. And they, I mean, they have to make it work unless they trade one of these guys. Yeah, the problem I see with their young players is they have the talent. I just think they're in the wrong system. I don't know if. Dibs' offense is really conducive to what Andrew Wiggins wants to do, and I don't think um, Carl Anthony Towns is reliable enough on defense to um, to really be successful on this current version of the Timberwolves. I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to run from Carl Anthony Towns and or Andrew Wiggins because I think we've already seen everything they can really get out of the this current, um, I guess, coaching and system. So. If they really don't want to move on from Tibbs, then I think they got to move on from one of those two guys. But I don't think there's any offense in the league that is conducive to Wiggins anymore. I mean, Wiggins reminds me kind of like Melo, like a high volume scorer isn't going to be very pretty how he does it. He doesn't. He doesn't really have too much to his game yeah. in terms of like catch and shoot ability. So I don't think there's really any offense on a on a. There's any team that's going to be have a good offense. That's gonna be able to sustain it. Maybe he goes to like you know big numbers on a crappy team kind of situation, but I can't think of like uh, like a Rudy Gay, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he's getting played. He's getting paid like a number one option, but at best he is a second option, and probably most seasons he'll be a third option. So it's just gonna have to see, be a I team. I can't even see him being a third option because he's Oof. like Melo. Like you see Melo trying to be a third option. His game doesn't conduce, not conducive to him being a third option. He's gonna, he needs the touches in order to be good. But as a third option, you don't get that many touches. Oh, so you're talking about this as like a broad overall NBA climate thing. It's not any specific team. Right. Yeah. I just don't think the, there's a climate. He, I think he's playing basketball in an era that's ten years later than his game was. Just like Julio Okafor came into the into the NBA. He came in ten years earlier, where it was you know dominated by big men. And high volume shooters, and I think he would have succeeded. But yeah, he didn't. I mean, yeah, I mean, Wiggins will probably never be that spot up shooter that that we all thought he would become eventually. But you don't think there's space on a team for a hundred million guy that can slash and play defense? The, 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 no, the thing the is, he can't really play defense. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, if we were actually together, you would see I was making a joke. Oh, and the problem <laughs> is hundred million. Bro. <laughs> didn't come through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So the last thing, right now, one of the wildest part of that last offseason was we had like the agent signings, like the big one was Gordon Hayward, but then we also had these like random, no one saw it coming, unforeseen trade situations. So one was like the CP3 trade where he opted in and then got traded, and then the other one, and I feel like we had this all the time now, was the unhappy superstars, which was Kyrie last summer, and this happened kind of late. It was like everything had settled, the agency had settled. Late July, we get the report that Kyrie requests a trade, and early August, he's traded to Boston. So, um, this, this offseason, I think there's some candidates like that for, like, the unhappy superstar, right? So, firstly, like, uh, uh, my candidate for this is John Wall, where I think there's something going on between him and Bradley Beal. I don't know if they're going to coexist, and 
I feel like he's definitely a guy who's gonna get, well, who's gonna meet with management and maybe ask for that trade. The only problem is John Wall's contract is also humongous, just like the Blake Griffin contract. I don't know how many teams would want to take him on. But do you guys like, you know, have any candidates like that? We think could be that unhappy superstar who wants to be traded. Uh, yeah, Carmelo. One, one guy that comes. No, Carmelo Anthony, I think, uh, unhappy in his current role on the team. And then on top of that, the team is unhappy with him. So it's kind of like a double whammy in his situation. But at the same time, yeah. he knows same that... Same thing with Melo. No one, no one wants that contract. Exactly. And also, he's going he's to opt in. There's no way he's opting out. Yeah, yeah that's no too much. No one's going to give him $28.7 million on the open market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy that comes to mind is Dame. He's already gone to management once. They got swept... You know, him and McCollum, just like, you know, it seems like the problem ends up becoming with all these, you know, point guard, shooting guard duos, or, you know, whatever, guard duos. You know, the same problem happens happens with Lowry and DeRozan. Like, they they seem like they're best friends, but something will be happening this year. I don't think he necessarily wants to leave Portland, but I think if he wants to win, he may start getting a little bit antsy and wanting to get out of there to go to a better situation. Maybe Man. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, did you guys see the Lonzo uh, track that he dropped? This track on Kakuzu? No, nobody <laughs> listens to Lonzo's music. <laughs> no. Was, was that the same track he was listening to in the gym by himself? When... No, no, that, that was just like one of his, uh, like, it was oh one my. of his own songs. Dude, that would be the, that's the ultimate sophomore, working out to your own music. Only Kanye like, can I do that. Know. <laughs> was it Josh Hart who came in and was just like totally crapping on him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's one, one of the things I like about this team. I mean, once again, <laughs> sorry to be a homer, but I just love this camaraderie that all these young guys share between Kuzma, Hart, Ingram, and Lonzo, where they can just clown each other, but it's all like funny games, you know? It's not like they hate each other or whatever. Yeah, that's but what you, you know get. That's what you get when you have uh, a team that no veterans want to go to. Uh, I mean, but also, also you know though. the rule, dude. When you get too tight, you get snitched on. Ooh, oh, boy, Nick Young. Well, I mean, it's fine. with Russell's this uh, deep problem now. <laughs> oh my god, don't don't remind me. <laughs> and also, speaking of uh, deep, uh, mentioned this player earlier. He's somewhat, you know, nurtured Julio Okafor also. Who <laughs> oh, we did? Okay, we didn't really want Julio. I feel like Colangelo just threw it in there, part of. The other deal that we had, so I'm I'm sorry. Was it, uh, was it Colangelo or one of his accounts? It was probably his wife. Let's be honest, it was his wife that that probably made the deal. <laughs> too soon, too soon. <laughs> Let them make a rest a little while. Yeah, he just Although, lost his job. I think there are there are certain teams right now who are looking who are looking to be salary dumps. You know, teams that you can do salary dumps on. So maybe the mellow contract might end up in Brooklyn. Oh yeah. no! Don't you it's dare package. put that on. No, 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 no! Not gonna happen. <laughs> Can't do it. No, can't do it. Can't. He's not from Brooklyn, though, so he he's, he's not coming home down nowhere. God. Uh, all right, guys. So it looks like it's gonna be a play wild and exciting all season as usual. The NBA is like pretty much a 12 month sport now. June 21st coming up, nine days from now, the draft is coming up. Last year, that was the day Jimmy Butler got traded on draft night. So probably gonna be some fireworks this year's draft again. And then 10 days later, July 1st, the agency starting. Yeah, I kind of... It's going to be LeBron watch on the day. I kind of yeah, forgot the... Uh, <laughs> I kind of forgot the NFL even existed for a while. 
Well, the NFL, like, that's the thing, right? The difference is the NFL is not a 12-month sport because the offseason is nowhere exciting in the NFL to the NBA. Yeah. Well, I have one last message before we end. If you are listening yeah, to this, listeners, if you're listening to this on June 13th, do not forget your free Doritos Locos Tacos courtesy of the Golden State Warriors. Oh, tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. 2 to 6 p.m. 2 to 6 p.m., everyone. Yeah. Keep making that public service. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk once again as the draft continues. All right. All right. Good, man. Peace, guys. Bye.